Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there was went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. You notice there it says in that time, at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world world should be taxed. There hadn't been, a lot of things hadn't changed in the world in 2,000 years, has there? The whole world being taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. I want you to notice that when God's ready to fulfill his prophecy, the prophecy of his son being born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem, which is found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. I'll read that to you. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall, come, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Now that was a prophecy about 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ that prophesied that Jesus Christ, that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. And notice that this taxing is going to send Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. And what, you have, what I'm pointing out to you is that God moved the world just so His words would be fulfilled and that prophecy be fulfilled. That's amazing. God will move heaven and earth just so His words will be true. Never forget that. Just because you see God has said something, you say, well, that's not going to come to pass. I don't see how God's going to fulfill that. Hey, man, have no doubt. God will move the whole world just so that one couple of sentences will be fulfilled and he won't be a liar. That's your God. And that's what's happening here. He moves the whole world just so his word will be fulfilled. Amazing stuff. Verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth under Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now Bethlehem means in the Hebrew means the house of bread. The house of bread. Isn't that interesting that the bread of life, the bread of life, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the bread of life came out of the house of bread. I think that's a very interesting thing. But I want to pre preach this morning on God's choices. God's choices. You know, you can learn a lot about a person by the choices they make. You can learn a lot about a person by the choices they make, the choices they make and the choices they don't make, what a person chooses and what a person doesn't choose. Let me, let me give you an example. You can tell a lot about the news media by the stories they choose to report and the things they choose not to report. You know, when you have a, 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 a godly man, a man that's been a pastor for 60 years that served the Lord and changed lives all over the community, the news media hardly ever reports when that man retires or hardly ever reports when that man passes away. Nothing good is said on the news media about him. But you have some drunk, alcoholic, rock and roll star, and that's all the news media wants to talk about. You can tell by the choices they make what side they're on. And what, they, what the kind of life they're living. Guys, I want to show you. Look at the choices that God made in His decision of the birth of His Son, Jesus Christ. When He decided to be God manifest in the flesh. When He decided to manifest Himself in the flesh. Look at these choices He made. The first choice He made was He picked Joseph and Mary. He picked a carpenter over a professor. 
He picked a carpenter over a professor. He could have had anybody be his dad. He could have had anybody be his earthly dad. And he didn't pick a professor. He didn't pick a, a scientist. He didn't pick somebody who had a lot of money. He picked a carpenter. Amen. God picked a carpenter to be his father. Somebody who works with his hands. A working man. Amen. Amen. That should speak to you. That should speak to you. He picked a man that works with his hands. A carpenter, what's a carpenter known for? A carpenter's known for working with his hands. He's known to be a designer and a planner and a creator. That's what a carpenter's known to be. And that's who he chose is his choice with Joseph. I think that says a lot about the Lord and what he says. He says, I don't want my... I don't want the one that's going to be the father that's around my son when he's, when he's growing up, that's manifesting the flesh, me manifesting the flesh. I don't want him to be a professor. I don't want him to be in a, up in a, in a castle. I don't want him to be a king or a scientist. I want him to be a carpenter. What a choice God made with Joseph. Because he could have cho- chose anybody, amen. But that's how God chose it out. I think that's very interesting to think about. Verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. It's interesting, God chose swaddling clothes over gorgeous robes. God chose swaddling clothes off gorgeous robes. Now, swaddling clothes, swaddling means those kind of, like you take a baby and you take clothes or take a a cloth and you wrap him up and you wrap him up really tight where he feels secure. And that's what they teach you in the nursery. When 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 your firstborn child, that's what they were showing us. Me and Kathy were talking about that. The nurse will show you, they take the clothes, they show you how to wrap him up kind of like a taco or a burrito. Y'all kind of remember that? I don't even know how they got Caleb wrapped up, but. But they, you know, what kind of blanket they needed for him. But the point is, is they teach you that because that, that baby wants to be it's swaddling. God chose swaddling clothes over gorgeous robes. You know, you, you know, you're in a manger. You know, the clothes that he chose to be swaddled in wasn't nice clothes. Amen. We're not talking about silky robes and gorgeous robes that the, this, this baby Jesus was wrapped in. It's just swaddling clothes over gorgeous robes. Interesting, God chose that. Notice it says in verse 7, She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. God chose a manger instead of a mansion. Of all the places Jesus Christ could have been born, he could have been born in a, he could have been born in a mansion, he could have been born in a king's palace, he could have been born in a thousand different places better than a lowly manger outside of an inn. But that's where God chose. And isn't that interesting that God chose a manger over a mansion? God chose he'd rather be born around his creation, the animals, and born in the hay, than to be born around rich people and around kings and palaces. Amen. Amen. Hey, I know how y'all are. I know exactly. I know, how, I know how a lot of people are. They'd much rather be around an animal than around another human being. Amen. I see how people, people treat their animals and their pets a lot better than they treat other people. Yeah, I've seen people, that, 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 they'd run somebody off the road and try to kill them in a car, but would kill themselves trying to dodge a squirrel trying to get across the road, you know. I've seen people, I know how people are. They love animals. 
They love the, God's creatures. And God said, I'd rather be born around some animals, around some cows, around a donkey, around some sheep, around what sheep and animals do down in a manger. And hey, I'd rather be born in a manger than be born in a mansion. That's amazing that God chooses it that way. It says there in, in verse 7, it says, And when they laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Listen, guys, the world has no room for Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. The world has no room for Jesus Christ. And the world has no room for Jesus Christ and the people that are associated with Jesus Christ. The world don't want to make room for them. There's never going to be room for them. And they're going to give you the boot. And if they have a chance, they will give you the boot. And they're trying every way they can to get rid of Christianity in America today. But it's not going to happen. But they're trying every way they can. There's no room for Jesus Christ in the world's eyes. And it says there, because there was no room for them in the end. Look at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now God's about to send His angels, and notice who He sends His angels to. Some shepherds in the field working at night. Oh man, this is what... See, this is why I'm preaching this sermon. Because of this set of verses right here. Because this, this, when I was reading this story of the account of the birth of Jesus Christ, I'm reading through this, and it really struck me. This is what really struck me about the Lord and Savior, our Father, God, sending angels. Because I'm thinking, okay, God's going to proclaim that His Son is born. He's going to send angels singing, glorifying His Son. And it's going to be a miraculous event. I mean, who I would, man, how much money would I pay to see angels glorifying God, the heavens lit up? Man, how much money would people pay to see something like that? Do the kings get to see it? Do the rich people get to see it? Do the scientists get to see it? No. God sends it to the working man working the night shift. Amen. 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 God sends it to the working man working the night shift instead of a king. You would think that God would send something like the angels proclaiming his son being born, that God would send that to a king. God would send it to the news media. God would send it to the important people in the world. That's what you think, and that's what the important people would want. The important people say, hey, I'm the one that gets that message. I'm the one that deserves to get to see that. I'm the one. And God says, no. He said, I'm going to send it to the working man that's working the night shift. That's me and you. Amen. That's the man, that's the person that wasn't born with a silver spoon in their mouth. That's, that's the person that has to get up and say, you know what, I don't want to go to work. It's not time, I don't want to have to mess with this, but I've got to get up, I've got to go to work. I've got, it's the working man working the night shift. That's who God sent it to. He sent it to the working man working the night shift. What an amazing thing that God chose that. See, I'm trying to point out to you this morning, God doesn't have to choose the shepherds. He could have chose, he had different, he had all the different thousands of choices God had. This is how he chose to do it. We're seeing the character of God. God has a heart for the working man working the night shift. God has a heart for the person that can't find a place in the room in the end. God has has a heart for the carpenter. God's heart is for the people that are lowly, that need somebody. That's where God's heart is. And lo, the angel of the Lord came uh, came upon them, verse 9. And the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. When Jesus Christ died, it was midday, and it turned darkness. 
When Jesus Christ was born into this world, the darkness turned into light. The darkness turned into light. And it said the light shone all around about there. And they were sore afraid. They got afraid. They say when, uh, I love to read these stories, but they say in a foxhole you find no atheist in a foxhole. In the war, when, there's, when you people start getting afraid, all of a sudden the atheism gets thrown out the window. They want to hear about God. They want to find out more about God. Because when you, when you get afraid, that's when God, the atheism gets thrown out. There's no atheist in a foxhole. And they get sore afraid. Look at verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, when the angel says it's good tidings of great joy, when, it's, when the Bible uses the word great, it means great. <laughs> it's great joy. That's what I don't get about a church of Christ. A church of Christ will tell you you can fall from grace. You can, you can, God can give you this free salvation and then you can lose it. You can fall from grace. You can fall from grace. And they'll argue with you and their veins will be popping out of their neck, popping out of the front of the forehead, arguing with you how you can fall from grace. And then they get up there like hypocrites and they sing about amazing grace. That makes no sense to me. What's so amazing about that? That's nothing amazing about that grace. Amazing grace is when God gives it to you and you got it and you get to keep it and you're never going to lose it. That's amazing grace. That's eternal life. When He gives it to you and you'll never, be, you'll never lose it. That's amazing grace. Great joy is great joy. Amen. Man, if you're in a church and you don't have great joy, you need to find another church. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We, me and Brother Raymond were just talking about that. He said, well, I have peace coming to this church. I, I feel comfortable. I have joy coming to this church. Amen. If I didn't have joy coming to church, I'd go find another church. I have joy serving Jesus Christ. I have joy in my salvation. You know, some people come in here and we have these jubilees. And man, we get stirred up in some of these revivals. Amen. We get, you get a lot of amen and going on and people shouting and everything. And I know some of these people come in here and they thought, I, was, I thought I was coming into a Baptist church. They think they're coming to some kind of holy roller charismatic church. And I try to tell them, I said, hey, we're, we're still Baptist in here. Nobody's going to fall on the ground and start speaking in tongues. But the difference is we're happy Baptist. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We're just happy to be saved. We got great joy. It's good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. God chose all people instead of some people. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's for all people. See, underline that in your Bible. A-L-L. God chose all people to have this great joy, not some people. Guys, we have a whosoever gospel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a whosoever. It's for all people. Not just the elect. Not just for some chosen people. It's for all people. Anybody. The carpenter. The lowly man. The hooker. The murderer, whoever will come to Jesus Christ can have salvation through Jesus Christ. It's for all people. That's great joy. That's to bring great joy to you. And it's to bring great joy to everybody in the whole world. And that's this. The time and the, uh, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ around this time in December, there is great joy. You see people with great joy. You see people that are more giving. You see people who are more kind. You see people with, a, with more people with smiles on their face. They're more generous. They're more gracious. There's great joy. That what, what's bringing about this great joy? Where the Savior is given to us. Jesus Christ is born. Don't kid yourself. It's all about Christmas. It's all about Jesus Christ. That's why there's such great joy. 
And it's great joy because it's uh, given to all people. Verse 11, for unto you, verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Listen, God chose to send you a Savior instead of a destroyer. God chose to send a Savior instead of a, instead of a destroyer. In His infinite love for us, He gave us His Son for a Savior. See, so many men are born into this world to be killers. So many men are born into this world to be warriors. So many men are born into this world to be killers, murderers, conquerors, like Alexander the Great, Napoleon. These are men that were born into this world. Hitler were born into this world to be conquerors, killers, murderers. But when God sent His Son, with all the infinite power He has to be the greatest ruler, the greatest killer, the greatest murderer, Jesus Christ could have been the greatest of anything God wanted Him to be, but He was chosen to be the greatest Savior the world has ever known. He sent us, He chose to send us a Savior instead of a destroyer. When God chose to send us a Savior, what does that mean? That means that's what you need. You need a Savior. You don't need anybody to destroy destroy you. You already got a destroyer. His name is an adversary. He's a Satan. He's the devil. He's the destroyer. The world has its destroyer. The world has its murderers. The world has its killers. What the world needs is a Savior. It needs, see, and this is what we see in God's infinite love for us that He gave His Son as a Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Man, that's a gift to you at Christmas time. It's a gift to you that God says, you know what? You need a Savior and here it is. I want to tell you something about Christmas. And y'all know how I feel about some things about Christmas. But let me tell you something. God only decorated one tree. And he decorated that tree with his son, Jesus Christ. And the only gift he put underneath that tree was the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the tree that God decorated. And He decorated it with His Son and He put the gift of the precious blood of Jesus Christ under that tree. That's what you need. That's the gift you need. God chose for you to have a Savior. He could have given you a destroyer. He could have given you a judge. He could have given you so many things in Jesus Christ, but He chose out of His love to give you a Savior. You're seeing how I'm showing you the character of your God. Your God chose to send you a Savior. Your God chose to pick a carpenter. Your God chose to pick a manger instead of a mansion. Your God chose to go to the working man working the night shift instead of the kings. Your God chose people just like you. Your God has a heart just like you. He wants to, ha- he wants to give it to you. He has a heart for you. Come unto me, cause my, come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden. That's what Jesus said. Are you working hard? Are you heavy laden? Are you have a burden? Jesus Christ said, you come on to me. See, Jesus Christ has a heart for you. It doesn't surprise me to find out Jesus Christ went and chose fishermen to follow him. It surprises me that Jesus Christ picked a publican like Levi. That's what surprises me. Because when you see the character of Jesus Christ, you see the character of God, He's choosing lowly people all through the Bible. Amen. He, didn't, he chose Moses when he was forsaken on the backside of a mountain. That's when He chose Moses. 
Moses was way off of the mountain. Had been, Moses was a murderer. He was on the backside of a mountain. Moses was forsaken. And Moses was an old man. Couldn't speak. That's when God showed up and said, that's the one I want right there. Remember when Samuel went to anoint the new king? And God says, I've chosen him. And he goes, and he goes to Jesse's sons, and he sees that one son, and he's real tall, and he looks handsome. And God says, no, you're looking on the outside. I'm chose that little boy that's out there playing with the sheep. His name is David. That's going to be my king. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Remember when he came to Gideon? Oh, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, who are you talking to? It sure ain't me, because I'm not that. <laughs> and God made him a mighty man of valor. God chooses the lowly things. God chose a carpenter. God chose a manger. God chose the working man. And he chose to give you a savior. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's the gift to the world, a Savior. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from, the, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And look at what it says in verse 16. And they came with haste. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know that Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you don't know the gift that God give you with Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to make haste to come to Him. You need to make haste to come to Jesus Christ like the shepherds. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Once you've encountered Jesus Christ, once you've realized that the Savior God gave you was a baby, that baby that God gave you was the Savior of the world that's going to die for your sins, once you've encountered Him, you should be glorifying and praising God. Verse 20. That's what we should be doing. And I think that's why we're here this morning. We're here to glorify and praise God for the great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're in here this morning for any other reason than Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time. <laughs> I, just, I don't drive up here to see Brother Raymond every Sunday. I drive up here for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. Jesus Christ. I'm here for Jesus Christ. When I get out there singing songs and we, we were singing those Christmas carols, I wasn't singing Christmas carols about Christmas trees. I wasn't singing Christmas carols about Santa Claus. We were singing Christmas carols about Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I know, and I was sitting there singing those, and I know some of, I could see the faces, and I thought some of them were probably thinking, when are they going to sing about Santa Claus? When are they going to sing about Christmas trees? And I'm thinking, no, no, ma'am, I'm not here about for Santa Claus, and I'm not here for Christmas trees. I'm not here for jingle bells. I'm here for Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm here to glorify Him. And if you want to sing about Santa Claus and jingle bells and Christmas trees, you have breath that God gave you. You waste your breath glorifying Santa Claus and Christmas trees. But as long as I have breath, I'm going to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen. Praising Him and glorifying Him. 
See, the world loves Jesus Christ as a baby. They don't, lo- they, they don't mind Christmas because that's when Jesus is a baby. Because a baby, you can tell a baby what to do. You can control a baby and the baby lays right there and it don't tell you what to do and the baby doesn't get up and rule you and you don't have to worry about a baby telling you to bow your knee. But see, we are celebrating Jesus Christ as a glorified king. King of kings and Lord of lords. When I sing about Jesus Christ, I'm not just singing about Jesus Christ being born in a manger 2,000 years ago. I'm singing about Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross of Calvary for my sins, being resurrected, and Jesus Christ being Lord of lords and king of kings. You know, I know some of y'all, I know know y'all listen to country music and listen to pop and rock. I know y'all listen to all kinds of different music, but can I encourage you to go find Handel's Messiah? And some of y'all are not going to get 10 minutes into it and you're going to turn it off and hate it. I know that. Go listen to Handel's Messiah, written in 1700. He took the orchestras and he's got the, the flutes and the band. He's got them, it's a great orchestra playing all this music and it's, they're taking the King James Bible and they're singing the King James Bible like an opera. And you've, you've heard, or y'all have all heard it. You might not know what it was, but y'all have heard it. When he gets to glorifying Jesus Christ, the great Alleluia, and the, the choir starts singing, Alleluia, Alleluia, Lord God, King of Kings. And the music starts playing really loud. Lord of lords. And you got the whole choir going, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, when I hear that playing, goosebumps just run up my arms. Because see, they're, he's, he's, it's, it's, it's Handel's Messiah is for Christmas time, but it's not glorifying Jesus as a baby. It's glorifying Jesus as a Lord of lords and King of kings. And when I hear that song being played and hear that big choir singing and all that music playing and they're saying... Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. In my mind, I can picture I can picture Jesus Christ on this huge white stallion, beautiful white stallion with a crown on his head, trotting through heaven as the choir and the angels are singing and all the music's playing and everybody's glorifying Jesus Christ. I can picture that in my mind. That's the Jesus Christ that I'm here celebrating this morning. Amen. That Jesus Christ. That's the one the world don't want. They want the baby. They don't want the... Risen King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me point out in closing, just real quickly, once you realize that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you know what He does for you? He gives you wisdom. All the wisdom that a professor I have. Remember I said that He's chose a carpenter over a professor? Well, when you accept Jesus Christ, He gives you all the wisdom a professor could ever want or ever have. Instead of swaddling clothes, when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He gives you gorgeous robes. When you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He doesn't promise you a manger. He promises you a mansion. See how God flips it on you? God says, for my son, it's a manger. For you, it's a mansion. For my son, it was swaddling clothes. For you, it's gorgeous robes. Guys, we can't even comprehend the love that God has for us. Amen. What kind of love is that? We'll never understand it. That's an infinite love that we can never comprehend. It's not until we get to heaven that we'll understand. God, you love me enough. I don't deserve it, but you're giving me this gorgeous robe. You're giving me a mansion to live in, and you're making me a king. 
to serve along with my Savior Jesus Christ. Oh. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus isn't a Savior to you anymore. He is that destroyer. He's the destroyer. He's the one, the judge, that's going to stand and judge you and cast you into a living hell. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Are you going to miss, miss out on the mansion? You're going to miss out on the gorgeous robes? You're going to miss out on being a king? You're going to have hell waiting on you. And that's what, for some people, that's what's waiting on them. It's great, it's great joy and good tidings for all people, but not all people are going to get it. I wish they would. It's for all people, but not all people are going to receive it. Some people are going to get to see Jesus Christ as a king and a judge and a destroyer. I'm glad I took him as my Savior. <laughs> I'm glad I took him as my Savior. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.